Hell hath no fury like a peahen scorned. Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome to another episode of Not Just Tentacles, where I, Rachel, attempt to demystify anime. I've been meaning to make this episode for the best part of a month, ever since the Hell of a Boss Season 2 opener, The Circus, came out. And there have been just so many unbelievably bad faith takes. And I kept thinking... I could slip it into one of the other recaps, but I always guessed it was going to come down to this, me having a good old vent and just analysing all the ways in which these opinions are wrong, quite frankly. So the fandom had what can only be described as a Homelander moment. Because if you've watched the satirical superhero series, The Boys, you'll know that Homelander is their Donald Trump analogue superhero, who is pure evil. He rapes people, he shoots down planes, he kills a baby, he dates a Nazi. Just everything that you could possibly imagine that says, this is a bad man. But for whatever reason, far-right dude bros loved him and regarded him as a poster boy. But it was only in season three that it dawned on them, are we the bad guys? And they went into meltdown and haven't been quite the same since. And this is effectively what happened in Hell of a Boss. Because... A large part of the circus was taken up with examining Stolas's marriage to Stella. We discovered that it was an arranged marriage and that it had always been a hell of domestic abuse, that they had never loved each other and that Stella had always treated him with cruelty and contempt. And you would not believe the reaction because you would have thought, Anybody that had watched the show from the beginning that you could have gathered all of this via subtext, text, text, anything really. But no, apparently this went right over their heads. So this is the Stella Stan argument as I gather. And it's a good thing that this is not a vlog because you could see me rolling my eyes so far I could see up my own nose. So they believed, possibly more forgivably in the early days, that... Stolas and Stella were love's young dream. They were the handsome prince and the beautiful princess. Until one day, Stolas selfishly decided to throw that away for shagging a random imp. And yeah, random imp does get thrown around a lot when in fact, as we later find, it's anything but random. It is Blitz that he has always been in love with. But never mind, that gets in the way of their little theory, their little idea of a tragic, heartbroken woman. And Stella is just so devastated by this portrayal that the only way she can come to terms with it is by killing her husband. Like, what? Is that a sane, normal way to behave? I mean, I don't know about you, but if I found out my other half was cheating, yeah, I would be distraught. But then I'd be like, see ya. I'll take you for everything you've got in the divorce court and make sure I get custody of the dog. But no, for some reason, this seems to be 
the next step for them. Some of them worryingly has e have even said, wouldn't you love to kill your cheating husband? Uh, no. And they completely forget that Octavia exists, like she's an inconvenient prop rather than being their child and the one that's actually suffering in this, the one who feels like her world is crumbling around her. Look, they don't care. They would much rather come up with this fantasy scenario that they've just built out of nothing and out of nowhere. Like, I swear to God, if you counted all of Stella's screen time in the first season, it would only be 40 seconds. I'm sure of it. And yet they've built it up and built it up until she's the like the third main character there. And I don't get it. I can only assume they look at her and think that she's a strong feminist role model, even though, of course, there's nothing particularly strong and certainly not feminist about neglecting your child and beating up your husband and just generally acting like a rich, entitled, parasitical bitch. But there you go. Um, apparently, Millie who is a loving wife who works perfectly with her husband and a good all-round gal, well, apart from the whole killing people thing, she's not enough for them. Octavia herself, who is funny and smart and really relatable, is not enough. I mean, if they wanted a character that was really upset about having been treated badly by a man, then it would Probably for Rosica. I mean, okay, she's possibly not the most sympathetic of characters, but there's certainly more there to back up this theory than there is with Stella. I mean, I can't help wondering as well whether it's because she is the sole wholly heterosexual person in a cast full of queers. Maybe that's why. Maybe part of their ire is due to Stolas very clearly being gay and they're reacting homophobically to that. But the thing is, even though that is there, even though you cannot deny that he is gay, some of them seem to have them getting back together. Like, like they seriously believe that Stella can be kind of staring down the barrel of the gun at him and have him going, oh, I've realised I don't love Blitz anymore. I want you. And that they go off hand in hand and the Blitz goes off with Verosica again and just the most contrived crap. And they, they, they dare to call Vivsi's writing the actual canon of the show fanfic. And the funny thing that you can't help noticing about all these fanfic allegations is that it's only about the gay stuff. They don't seem to use it when it applies to a male-female relationship. I mean, why could that be? And I'm not criticising fan fiction writers by any means. I will hold my hand up. I used to write fanfic too because as a kid I was passionately into Star Wars and yep I had a crush on Darth Vader. I'm sorry I know just 
<laughs> I'm not one to criticise about people forming attachments to the most unlikely people. I even wrote a whole romance series called The Death Star Diaries about a woman who got into the Imperial Academy disguised as a man and had a secret relationship with Darth Vader. Yeah, <laughs> that was how I rolled in those days. But I never, ever would have gone to George Lucas. My invention is superior to yours. I know Darth Vader better than you. No matter what romantic shenanigans Vader got up to in my stories, I knew who he was. I knew that he'd committed genocide, killed children, chopped his son's arm off, tortured his daughter, etc. I would never have pretended any differently. And yet these people are... They're making out that Stella deserves better, that she should have a backstory explaining her actions, which they haven't done to any of the villainous male characters, may I point out. And I personally blame the trend of a couple of years ago, um, started by Wicked, where you had these previously irredeemable female characters being given all of these sympathetic histories of abusive parents and formative years and dreadful men breaking their hearts which is where they seem to be going here and it doesn't seem to be anything other than just them projecting their own beef that they just want something that they can make animatics to Taylor Swift or Hamilton songs from and you want to go to them look stop projecting your own issues I'm sorry that your boyfriend or your husband cheated on you or that your dad ran off with somebody else but that does not mean that you can willfully ignore everything that happens in a series and just bring your own agenda to it and just because this is not the story that they're telling it is not your standard woman finds out that her husband's shagging her sec his secretary or her secretary who knows that'd be an even bigger betrayal this story is and has always been about Stolas. Well, Stolas's coming out story about his romance with Blitz, because Blitz is the main character and Stolas is his love interest. Stella might be the main antagonist of the story so far, but nonetheless, she is just still a tool in their story. That is her importance. So trying to make out that she needs all these convoluted reasons for her behavior, just stop acting like you know better than the creators. I mean, I don't know whether it's because people donate money towards it. They think they've got a stake in it. And the, the way that they seem to think that they're making it up as they go along when, in fact, this was recorded years ago. They're just animating it now. So all of this is locked down. What you say about it on Twitter or on Reddit has no bearing on anything that's going to be coming out in the next few months. So just get over yourselves and watch the actual show. So here is Stella's screen time in the entirety of Hell of a Boss thus far. So her very first appearance in the pilot, she says and does nothing. She merely blinks as Blitz lands on her cake and it splats everywhere. And he goes, sorry, I fucked your husband. Yeah, Ruth's impression is much better than mine. She doesn't even look like herself because they hadn't decided on a proper design for her yet. 
Next, we have Lululand, where she does have her full crown, no matter what she's doing. Her ginormous Kardashian eyelashes, her beak, her permanent um, resting bitch face, bad smell under nose thing. So she is in bed with Stolas. This is in the past, so Octavia's only little, a toddler. And she's crying in the next room, having a bad dream. And Stolas, who's cold and miserable because she's hogging all the blankets, goes, um, Via's calling us and she's all like, you get up. And it's clear from the way that she doesn't even look at him, the way she snaps and the way that he reacts that this is an everyday occurrence, that she never helps with the child rearing and that she just leaves everything to Stolas and that it's more of it's more of a ritual now him asking because she knows he knows that it's not going to happen and just this whole opening sequence just says so much about the family and their dynamic that the real love in this family is between him and Octavia that she has no relationship with either of them, that she has just checked out of the marriage because he can only be in his early 20s and yet he's singing about how he thought love would be fun and all his stories are told except for one, looking at Octavia. So the fact he is so young and yet he already believes that his daughter is the only thing worth living for. I mean, how, how sad is that? Just thinking about it makes me cry. I mean, the, the whole song is tear-jerking because he's telling her that no matter where he is and even when he's dead, he will be with her, which is a moving sentiment. Even if he haven't lost somebody, but obviously if you have it, it makes you tear up. And when you go back to Octavia's bedroom, not only is there a lovely portrait of him giving her a piggyback, but there's a, a little sketch that she's done of him and her there is just no no mention of Stella no image of Stella anywhere and Vipsy and co are not the type of studio to have details like that for no reason she does not feature in any of her art or her dreams because she's looking she's looking for Stolas in her dream not Stella she doesn't feature because Stella has no presence in her life, even as a little girl, and it does not get any better. So the next thing we know, teenage Via is opening her eyes. There is the most god-awful noise. You think, what the hell is it, the cull? But no, it is Stella squawking and throwing Stolas's beloved carnivorous plants around. And it is only his stuff, as you'll see when she goes, when Via goes outside. And by the look of utter weariness, you can see that this is an everyday occurrence for Via. She instantly sticks her earphones in and walks down the corridor. She manages to miss a plant that Stella's thrown. And yeah, she is just screaming at the top of her lungs. And this is her standard behavior she has no indoor voice going I can't believe you fucked an imp and um poor Stolas kind of stutters an excuse about how he couldn't go to a motel which isn't great I can sort of see why she gets mad but then she's like a motel like a fucking plebeian see I, I don't know how Georgina manages to do this because I have I mean I 
made one recording and then screwed up and had to make another one. And I've used up my Stella voice in the first take. I can't do it now. I'm like, <laughs> so how she manages to do this for stretches of time, I have no idea. And yeah, she picks up their butler and hurls him at him. She picks up a living, actual person for no reason other than the fact that he is the same race as Blitz. <sighs> Stolas's lover, do you want to fuck this one too? Like, they're all interchangeable, that she can't tell them apart. Just the racism, classism, everythingism is astounding, not to mention the blatant domestic abuse that she's happy to beat up servants and throw them at Stolas. So you know that she's thrown things at him before. You know that she's hit him before. This is not wacky cartoon violence that you can just go, ah, oh, it's a temperamental wife. This is abuse. And yet she screeches that he's a goddamn embarrassment and she can't stand to look at his pathetic imp-sucking face. And she goes out and she's still bellowing about his dickhead plants, fuck stain, etc. Lovely, probably all improvised by Georgina. Good work there, love. And yeah, if you just took out the words, any mention of the cheating then it would be as plain as day. This is an abusive wife. And when I saw this for the first time, that was all I could see. I just thought it doesn't matter what he's done. This is completely uncalled for. They could just have made arrangements to lead separate lives, have a divorce, make things pleasant for Octavia, make things go smoothly. The fact that she's happy to carry on like this, treating Stolas and the servants like this in front of her clearly distressed daughter, she doesn't care. It's all about her. And I thought even then, I'm sure she would have behaved like this even without the affair and that the affair has just given her a concrete reason to carry on. And she's almost pleased that it happened because she now doesn't have to pretend anymore. And um, Stolas has deliberately not drawn attention to the fact that Octavia's there because he doesn't want her to start hurting her instead. And that's when he makes a suggestion that they go to Lululand for the day. And everybody keeps pointing at this portrait that they've got on the wall of them previously at Lululand saying, oh, this shows that they used to be happy. But it doesn't. If you look at it closely, Via is the only one that's having a nice time because she's obviously a little kid, doesn't know any better. She's going, yay, um, at her favourite theme park. Well, Stolas is obviously putting a smile on to try and make her happy, but you can see round his eyes that it's not quite genuine, that it is an act. And Stella isn't even pretending. She's got her arms crossed, just her usual face and just obviously hating it every moment of it. And just people thinking that that means that in the past they were happy and that they were a family and functioning. No, just no, please look at it. And the conversation later on the fairground ride, this is why this is just such a good episode. It manages to just show so much in just little details. Anybody should be able to fill in the blanks of this conversation on the ride. 
where Stolis is struggling to explain to her what is going on because she naturally thinks he's going to run off with Blitz because she's never seen him happy before and she now worries he's going to leave her behind. The fact that she thinks this, if she was happy with Stella, wouldn't she say something about Stella? Say, how could you do this to me or mum? Or say, oh, oh well, never mind, I'll look after mum. Nothing. Stella is never mentioned at all. It is always about Stolas. And he, yeah, so he says to her, um, your mother and I, then he stops. Then she's always been, stops. I haven't been, stops. We were never, stops. So anybody should be able to see um, we were an arranged marriage. We weren't in love. I haven't been happy. She's always been like this, but he can't because how can you tell your daughter that her mother has abused you her entire life and the fact that you only stayed in this marriage in the first place for her because he is already desperately unhappy. How is she going to feel when she realizes that her favorite person in the world has gone through all this for her? And he can't, and it's just so, oh, it's just so much. Ah, anyway, back to um, the next scene with Stella in. This is the Harvest Moon Festival. When we find out she is the one that made the hit out on Stolas. So Stryker tells her that he failed and she is like, um, that he'll better do a, 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 jo- a better job next time. Because she wants this cheating prick dead. And she doesn't care how he does it. Make it happen. And this is when you have a reveal that is simultaneously hilarious but horrific. You realise she's sitting at the dinner table right opposite Stolas and with Octavia in the middle. And that is a ghastly piece of foreshadowing. The fact that she is literally between both of her parents And Stella has just said, I don't care who you go through. And I don't believe that they just threw that in for a giggle. I think that will be important in future. Because those those things like that do matter in this show. And this is where any sympathy people had for her should have just gurgled away. Because she is taking a hit out on her husband in front of her daughter, who loves him dearly, the fact that she'd quite happily destroy her daughter's life forever just because she is angry at him for humiliating her because it's nothing to do with love. It is quite clear. I don't know where everybody got this whole heartbroken, scorned wife, etc. palaver from. It is just all about status, appearances, embarrassment, etc. So that was season one, where everybody created this folklore about her. Season two does not pull any punches. Season two shows you exactly what she's like, It should have been seen from space, but, you know, some people apparently needed that bit more nudging. So Stella's first appearance in the circus is when she's arranged the not divorced party. 
Because that, for those of you who aren't domestic abusers, is their wedding anniversary. So she has apparently invited all the Goetia to their wedding anniversary, but decided to turn it into this hysterically funny joke, or so she believes. So poor Stolas is minding his own business, walking into his own kitchen, and then Stella starts slagging him off to whoever she's talking to. He smiles when he walks in, just trying to kind of say hi and be nice, but nope, bitch, 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 bitch. And um, he picks up the paper and sees the advert for the party, and he naturally is like, what in hell is this? And she's like, I like to throw parties and does a little kind of it girl hair toss. And um, she says she doesn't, he doesn't have to come. But of course he does, because this is what people like this do. Because they know that if you don't go, everybody's going to be talking about you behind your back and thinking who doesn't go to their own anniversary party, who doesn't attend a party in their own house thinking, ooh, are there things wrong with the marriage? Ooh, what's going on here? Could it all be a sham? Are they not happy? Da-da-da-da. And he has worked so hard to make everything as normal as possible for Octavia that he goes, even though it is humiliating and horrible and everybody is either going out of their way to ignore him or slag him off. And indeed, this is the darkest moment in the entire episode and one which almost well it wasn't actually comedic at any point but this this exchange for all its implications is just horrible so Stella is talking to those two birds that she hangs out with all the time and she's going on about how Stolas is terrible in bed which you would think is just standard nasty wife talk. I mean, he is standing right there. So it is just a really screwed up thing to be doing anyway. But she is saying how all he used to do was lie there staring at the wall and she has to do all the work. And she's glad that an egg fell out of her so she doesn't have to pretend to want to fuck his scrawny ass anymore. I don't know what to say about that. Just all of that is just so wrong. I just, because quite, I mean, first you've got the fact that sex, when you're gay with somebody of the opposite gender is deeply unpleasant and often traumatic. So you you have her describing a clearly traumatized Stolas going through something that he doesn't want and isn't enjoying but then that description of doing all the work just makes my blood run cold because if a man said that about a woman it would sound like sexual assault and I am quite convinced that is what she's talking about here and the fact that she then goes on to say she's glad an egg fell out of her that is her daughter her daughter, who we've never once seen her have a conversation with or even look at. She regards her own daughter as an egg. Just if anybody had ever thought that Stella was a good mother at this point, just she, she doesn't even call her by name. She doesn't think of her as a person. 
and the the other birds just find this hilarious and shriek with laughter and then she looks back at him and is like what a pathetic fucking man and just oh I, I rarely have ever hated a character as much as I did in that moment and you, you just want to go to him look Stolas go go find Blitz and just shag his brains out now you've earned it after this and sure enough, that's what happens. So the next time we see uh, Little Miss Slice and Dice, um, she's out in the garden with her friends having their tea party. And then, yep, splat. Sorry, I fucked your husband. <laughs> and then she's like, what the fuck is that, Starless? And yeah, I'm convinced that the way she says that is on purpose to make it sound like stole ass because nobody else in the series does that. I know she's a Brit and indeed the only truly British cast member, but I'm a Brit and I don't pronounce it like that. I say stole So I'm convinced that's another way of her getting at him. And it's just wonderful seeing her on the wrong foot for once. And you can't blame him for laughing and going, that's the sound of a fucking divorce. Because she had set this whole thing up to make him small, to make him miserable. And now for once he has bested her. And it's fantastic. I mean, you know, knowing how she is and obviously knowing what we know for future that she's not going to take this lying down. But just seeing him stand up to her uh, it was just fabulous. And then last but not least, the moment, the bit that everybody's insisting is a retcon, even though we know full well it's not. So Stolas has finished singing Stolas Sings. She has clearly been hanging around on the balcony waiting for him. And this is where we see, well, we knew anyway, but just what a little coward she is she has nothing but stolas in her life and this is what bullies are they are just angry little cowards without him to torment she is nothing she needs him that's why she wants to kill him because without him she's got to face the facts that she has done nothing with her life other than just abuse him so she comes out and he asks her, why are you still here? And we gather that she has been invited to leave, but she just hasn't. So she has just been deliberately hanging out to try and make people feel sorry for her and for Via to think that um, this is all his fault. And she even says, I like tormenting you. And some people say, oh, this is such bad writing. Nobody would ever say that. People do. I have known enough people in situations like this, my own mother included, who were told by partners, I like making you suffer. Some people just do it for the evils. They love it. They get off on it. And she admits it. And he tells her then, we are getting the divorce. And she doesn't. She doesn't show any sign of sadness, any sign of regret, because why would she? She's doing what she always does. And in fact, she's just pure rage and hatred and she goes to hit him. I mean, we knew that she already 
threw things at him. So she probably hit him too. And you can see by the way that he catches it that this is not the first time. And I actually saw um, a recording of fans watching this and everybody cheered at this point and so did I. You're just so proud of him. And she tries to make out while he's having his emotional speech and saying how it's never been enough, that she's always been cruel and he's only endured it for Octavia's sake. And again, she doesn't care. She isn't moved. She's just thinking her own horrible thoughts in the background and then putting him down. Because now that she's lost her temper and now that she's seen that he's not scared of her anymore, she threatens him instead because that's all she's got. That is the only thing that's left now. She just resorts to bullying and threats, saying, you have fallen from whatever grace you have and you'll pay for it with an evil smirk, saying, yeah, we know you've got Striker on speed dial. You're going to get him to come down and do whatever. And just when I saw takes online saying how they found this scene empowering, or how they thought they'd never seen anybody look so sad. And you're just like, what are you looking at, pal? What is wrong with you? They could not have just spelt it out any more clearly if they had put evil minge bucket over the screen. I just... It just defies belief that anybody could come away thinking that this is somebody to emulate and somebody to sympathise with because it's not her story. It's never been her story. I don't know whether this is simply people unable to conceive of a situation in which straight people are not the norm and the focalises, but it isn't about her, never has been. I mean, if you want to go off and create your own story about a woman killing her gay husband and his lover, then go ahead. But I don't think anybody would want to read that because it seems hella homophobic, to be honest. And I, I, I just... <sighs> I don't see why this should be controversial. And it does make me worry about some fans. I don't know whether they're immature or whether they are simply unused to seeing stories from a different perspective. But you you do think, grow up, guys. Just learn something. Find out a bit more about queer experiences. And... You're probably thinking, why does this even matter? This is just a funny cartoon about gay demons. But the thing is, it does matter because I have never seen female or male abuse in anything, never mind a cartoon. And it does happen. It's out there. I have known men in this situation. Indeed, the way this is played, I do wonder whether it is partly because of Stolas being gay, that this is why she's treating him so vilely because it does seem to be a common reaction with abusers finding out that their partners are queer. And 
this shows that it happens and it makes people realize that they're not alone, that they can seek help. And if anything in this story should be an inspiration and should make you want to do something, it stole us realizing who he is and that he can finally stand up to his abusive wife. That is what we should be talking about. Not drumming up artificial sympathy for somebody that doesn't deserve it. We need more of this. We need to have this conversation. We need this rep. I mean, I I don't understand why it hasn't been covered more in the soaps or in a film. If this is what we need to get people talking about domestic violence in relationships, then we need it. But don't, for God's sake, try and pull it away from the very real issues that are being discussed here. Oh, God. <laughs> so I think that's everything. Um, uh, oh, that, that, that was a roller coaster. <laughs> but so um, I'll, I'll try and make things a bit lighter next time, but I needed to get that off my chest. So I love you guys and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. And you can also follow us on social media. We are at Tentacles Not on Twitter. And on Facebook, our page is called Not Just Tentacles. Speak to you soon. Bye.